When I was growing up, 4.30 every single day, I would walk into the kitchen. My mom would be making dinner. I would walk in and I would go into the pantry and I'd start pulling out chips or cookies. And I would say, oh, I'm so hungry. And my mom would say, dinner is in one hour. Put the junk food away. I would say, mom, I'm going to die. I'm starving to death. She says, you're not going to starve to death, but I may beat you to death if you don't put those chips away. (laughs) So I put the chips away and I waited the hour. I I almost died a few times. (laughs) And, And I was properly nourished by my mom's food. Little did I know that my mom was sharing with me biblical wisdom. Who knew that a lost Jewish lady could have such deep insight into Romans? She was letting me know that we need to be nourished in truth or we will look pathetically malnourished as Christians. Did you know that? Do you know one of the primary marks of a Christian what it's to be? Joyful. Joyful beyond measure. Now, I don't know if you've been out in the world recently. I'll bring it home to hit you quick in a minute, so get ready. But when you see a person who's saved, is the first thing you notice how incredibly joy-filled they are? Uh, b- besides me. The other ones. is the first thing you notice how incredibly joy-filled they are. When you look at yourself, now we'll get along comfortable. Do you consider that you are the most joy-filled person that you know? Can I suggest that in Romans 5, 1 through 11, the reason we are not what we ought to be is because we're filling up on chips and cookies. We're not feasting deeply on what Christ calls us to. Listen, I was talking with a variety of people this week, and we're going to take this text over three, two to three weeks just to let you know how fast we're going through Romans. This is week, I don't know, 15, 16. Um, I have it all planned out. We'll be done in 2043, and it will be a great celebration. But I was having numerous conversations this week with people who are struggling with or dealing with the effects of or not noticing, in particular, the deceitfulness of riches. Do you know Jesus says it's harder for a gay person to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, right? Is that what he said? Everybody awake here? He says it's harder for a sexually immoral person to enter the kingdom of God than a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? No. No? He says, it's harder for who? The rich, Thomas said. No, not rich. (laughs) Who who here is rich? See, this is how badly it affects us. Yes, all right, knock it off. We think in context of other countries. Does anyone here, did anyone here drive a car? You want me to tell you a secret? You're filthy, stinking rich. You're not just rich. Does anyone have cash in their pocket? Lights in their house? A house? Do you know how rich of a culture we live in? And the question we need to ask as we get into this text is, how are we affected and impacted by riches? Money is the root of all evil, right? What is? The love of money. The love of Jesus leads to joy. The love of money leads to a kid who wanted to eat chips and cookies. And you know what a kid who eats chips and cookies and not what his mommy's feeding looks like? Malnourished and strange. 
Do you know what a Christian looks like who feasts on the cookies and the chips that the world has to offer? Malnourished and strange. My friends, in our text today, Daddy is saying to you and to me, put down the chips and the cookies and look at what I'm cooking. You know, well, I'll stay focused here. Romans 5. Oh, this is magnificent. I haven't even started yet, and I'm all excited. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we, what's that word? Rejoice Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only in that, but oh boy, we what? Next word? Constant theme here. What do we rejoice in? Hold up. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. For while we st- we're still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still what? Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also what? In God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, now, I'll unpack this, but this is just blow your mind, crazy exciting. And if you listen, if you get these truths, you get joy. If you, if you live in light of these truths, you live a joyful life. You lose these truths, you're going to snack on chips and candy and starve yourself to death. Daddy saved me to eat well and to look well because he wanted to put me on display to let people know how good my God is. Amen? Amen. My flesh wants to eat the chips and the cookies of the world. The deceitfulness of riches, give me the villa in Fiji and the private jet to get there and off we go. I don't want to go live in, in, in squalor. But those are just circumstances, and you're going to have to wait till next week till we dig into that. Watch how far we get today. Therefore, we'll get past there. Context is king. What's that when you see a therefore, you know what you do? Jim is, a, Jim is a second row Christian. It's close to a front row Christian, but... <laughs> When you see the word therefore, I learned this in seminary. Four years of seminary taught me this. You guys ready? When you see a therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? Boom! Do, do you see how smart I am? Well, what's it there for? It's there to put us in context. We've seen four chapters of Paul unpacking this beautiful doctrine of justification by grace through faith. Oh, we saw this, this beautiful, I don't know if you remember, I think I preached a sermon called You Stink. Did, did I, should I do that again? Roy says, oh yeah. <laughs> On your own, your resume before God says you stink. And that's just a smack in the face to the flesh until you get to the point that Jesus came to make God propitious towards us. You remember that word propitious? You remember what it means? Made God favorable to us. 
and he did it by giving us a new resume, and we're saved by grace, we're justified, and we looked at Abraham. And we saw an example of how someone becomes justified and how a justified person lives. Therefore, that's what we've gotten to. Therefore, we have what? Oh, guys, come on now. Where's Mia? Where, where's Mia? You with me, Mia? All right, you got to help people out. Therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace. Peace with who? Dead stop. What does that mean? Anyone here feel peaceful this morning? You're like I did before you got up and going. Is that what this is saying, that being justified, bless you, being justified, we can feel peaceful with God? Do you know that God is not a cuddly cosmic grandpa? Oh, Rich, I love you so much. I'm God. Come to me and sit on my lap. I will take care of you and rub your back until the day you die. I think we, we think of God as like this super cuddly grandpa when we were little kids. He just, you could spit on him and he'll just, oh, it's no big deal. There's my grandchild. I love him so much. Listen to me. God is not a cosmic cuddly grandpa. He's a frightening, scary, sovereign who rules all of creation, who is holy and just and cannot allow sin to dwell in his presence. God is actually very, very scary. And do you know what you have done? You've sinned. And the wages of sin is? And on your own, when you meet God, you will? You ever read Revelation 20? Mark that down, look it up, but don't read it before you go to bed, unless you're saved. But I think we think God didn't really mean Revelation 20. He didn't really, literally, he's not talking, the lake of fire is not real, hell's not real, God's going to forgive everybody. Well, if that's the gospel you want, I've got to send you to a different church. It's called a false church and a false gospel, but you're not going to get it here. You see, apart from Christ, we're all under the wrath of God. But, but in Christ, you have... Now, chew on this a minute. I don't want to rush through this, because if you miss this, you're going to be malnourished and eat cookies and chips. Peace with God. Enemy, friend. Adversary, at peace. I, by grace through faith, you, by grace through faith, have peace with God. Now, I don't always feel peaceful. I, I, can't, I can hardly sit in a hammock and take a nap. I, mean, I twitch. Greg was at boot camp. How much peacefulness did you feel? <laughs> Recruit! Get up! Oh, I'm a Christian. I have peace with God. Make your bed. Oh, there's, no, there's no feeling. This peace is a positional peace. Do you understand what it means to have peace with God? Say you get home. Your neighbor comes by. Hey, I paid your bill. Got your bill in the mail, came to my house, I paid your bill. What do you say? You don't know what to say. Don't say thank you. You're ruining my illustration. What if the bill was for a postage due? Buck 53, what do you say? What do you say, bummer? What if it was for your mortgage? What if it was from the IRS? For $7.5 million of back due taxes that you had never paid and were never intending to pay, 
that you couldn't pay and that you would go to federal prison for the rest of your life because you couldn't pay and your neighbor paid that bill. What do you say now? Wow. You don't say thank you? Yeah. Jesus came to pay a bill. How thankful you are depends on how big a bill he paid for you, amen? Did he pay a buck 53? Did he pay two grand? Did he pay $7.5 million? What was the bill that you owed that kept you at enmity with God? Unpayable. The wages of your unpayable bill were death, eternal life. But God shows his love in that while we were still sinners, what did he do? He paid your bill. And he paid your bill so that you have what? How often do we just say, Jesus, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. How often do we go, wow. 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 Peace with God isn't, thanks so much. Wow. Sit here for a minute with me, folks. If you're saved by grace through faith, if you are justified, Jesus paid your bill. He has made you a friend of God. You have peace with God. Wow. Now, now the Holy Spirit works through this to strum up a little bit of joy. The world can give you a cheap substitute. You can have, you can have peace with the world. You can be a friend with the world. My friends... You can have peace with God. Wow. What's next? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained what? I'm in verse 2. Access by faith into this grace. Access to God. Big deal. You read Exodus 19. Mountain, God comes down on the mountain. Everybody, come on up. Bonfire at the top. Holy of holies, remember that place? Curtain over it. I think we'd all come running in. Patty's good friend Uzzah in the ark. You know that story? Nadab and Abihu. You know that story? God is unapproachable. God is no more approachable than the sun in the sky. You cannot come to God. But you know what? We who have peace with God have? Coat's coming off, guys. We have access to God. You, you, remember when Jesus died on the cross? Remember what happened to the curtain in the temple? What happened to the curtain in the temple? You know what you say? Now, now, now slow down and think about this. You, you have access to God. Who? God. Yahweh? Yep. But, but I thought you can't dwell in his presence. You can't come before him. If we went back in time to the temple, you all would probably be dead. I would be too. Oh, I'm going into Holy of Holies. Let's check it out. You know what you'd say when you got there? Boom. Boom. You cannot approach God on your own. You can only approach God if you have peace with God. And the only way to have peace with God is by grace through faith. My friends, do you say, thank you? No. You say, wow. 
I think a lot of us think when we meet Jesus, we're going to be like, hi, I'm so happy to see you. Oh, it's so nice to see you. You know what you're going to say when you see Jesus face to face? One of two things. Well, everybody's going to say one thing. Right? This is it. And most people are not going to go well after that. The rest of us who are saved by grace through faith, he's going to push your chin up, going to wipe the tears, he's going to lift you up, he's going to put his arm around you, proverbially speaking, bear with me. When you see Jesus, he ain't your homeboy, you're not going to high-five him, you're not going to be like, let's go do something fun, you are going to be in the presence of the great I Am, face to face with the risen Christ, bodily incarnate, who gave you peace with God, who gives you access to God. And there are times when we just need to shut our yappers and go, wow. Access to God, access to his power, access to his promises, access to his riches, access to everything he offers to his kids. Wow. Now, now I will warn you, out that door, they offer chips and cookies. Oh, and they're fun. You could, you could get a private jet and fly to Augusta National Golf Course, and you can play a round of golf, and you can be celebrated by the world, and they can hang your poster on, the world, on their wall, and they can say, we love you! You'd be like, yeah, look at me. And you can ride that sucker out. And do you know where this ends? Death. And if you're saved, you can ride that out. And if you're saved, do you know what it does? It causes you to look malnourished and deformed and to fail to bring glory to God. And it pales in comparison to the reality of who you are in Christ. You have peace with God. You have access to God. Wow. Well, I'll give you one more. You have assurance of salvation. Why? Well, watch this. Watch this. Verse 2. Uh, Through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we... Oh, guys, are you ready? No? You ever read read Jude? You all start turning there if you like. Jude 24. You're like chapter 20, ain't chapter 24. Verse 24. You won't get there before I do unless you have these marks. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, now let me say it again. To him who is able to keep you from what? In which we stand. Do you know how you stand? He causes you to stand. Philippians, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. You are able to stand and you will stand because he who saved you causes you to stand. Wow! You know the doctrine of election? God chooses people. It's a biblical doctrine. You want to talk about it? We'll go downstairs in Sunday school. That's where we do this. 
John 6, God chooses whom he will save, predestines us to, to election before the foundation of the earth. Election is not a doctrine exclusively of salvation. Listen to me. It's a doctrine of sanctification to glorification. God finishes what he starts. God keeps who he says. If you are saved, you have assurance of salvation. Wow. Anyone here have an engagement ring? You came up too far. I'll pick on you. <laughs> when did you get your engagement ring, Barb? When Jim asked me to marry him. When he asked you to marry him. And why did he give you an engagement ring? As a promise. As a promise that... He was that actually going to go through with it. He was going to go through with it. <laughs> Any men have an engagement ring? I do. Like it's a wedding ring, Pastor. No, it's not what I'm talking about. Do you know where my engagement ring is? It's inside. You ate it? No, I didn't eat it. <laughs> Romans 5 tells us that we've received the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 tells me, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you ready for this? Were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of God for his glory. Oh, my goodness. You, if... If, there, there, there is assurance of false salvation too, okay? There is assurance of false salvation. If anybody walks out now, they'll probably have it. I'm messing with you. <laughs> there is assurance of false salvation. We have gone through Romans to this point to help us make sure we don't have assurance of false salvation. You're saved by grace, through faith, not by works. Interesting side note. There is a horrible false teaching in the church that you're saved by grace through faith and you maintain your faith by works. You ever uh, see those kettles with the bells that ring? Coming up soon? Salvation Army? Mm -hmm. Do you know they teach, their doctrine is, one is saved by grace through faith, but one must walk in continuance and good works to maintain their salvific position before God. Look that up. You got a great evangelistic opportunity on your hands before you throw a buck in the kettle. Okay? Think about that, Jack. But those of us who are saved have an assurance of salvation. You can't lose it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot lose your salvation because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. You were saved by grace through faith. You will be sanctified by grace through faith and you will go to be glorified by grace through faith. My friends, if you come out of the Roman Catholic Church, if you come out of a legalistic fundamental Bible church, can I bring you some good news today? If you come out of secular humanism and self-righteous legalism, can I bring you some good news today? You can't save yourself, you can't keep yourself saved, and you don't need to. Jesus did it for you on the cross. My Savior said, Tetelestai! And that means it is finished, and it is totally finished. He has reconciled us to God. Set your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Rest in him and him alone. Joyous and complete. I got three more to go. <laughs> at least. And no, I'm not going to do that today. Well, no. Well, no. Okay, I'll rest with myself later. <laughs> My friends, I want to go through this slowly. Because too often, we, we, we smoke the opiate of the world. We eat the chips and the cookies of the world. And who, who here has a hard life? 
You know, I, I know a man, a second row Christian, who, who's dealing with a, a very light momentary affliction, right? It's called stage four cancer. On his own, he's destroyed. Nobody else is suffering, though, here, right? If you're not suffering, you got a problem. In fact, I see, I was struggling in my prep today and where I was splitting this because what's coming next, that the next point I have to do is the greatest point of this passage. I mean, wait till you see, wait till you see what we're looking at next here. Because when we talk about rejoicing in suffering, anybody here doing that well? Some of you are doing it well. Let me affirm this. Some of you are rejoicing in suffering. You don't feel like you are because it's not a feeling. But some of you are doing this well into the encouragement and example of the rest of us. Okay? None of us are doing it perfectly, but here's the problem with life. When circumstances aren't favorable to us, we freak out because the world says right circumstances bring you joy. Can I tell you a secret? They don't. They bring something called happiness, which is a feeling. And circumstances will change. I tell you some news, you'll die. It's hard, scary, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. But if you're in Christ and understand who you are in Christ, in that hard trial, in that light momentary affliction, you can get through that joyfully because you know some things. Listen, in ultimate, ultimate trial, you're going to die. But when you die, do you know that as a believer you have peace with God? You all with me? Peace with God. Wow. You have access to God and you're going to God. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What if, what if I didn't live a good enough life? What, what if, what if, what if? Because you also have assurance of salvation. Now, if Jesus conquered death, do you really think the Pico Bill's a problem? Do you really think your irritable neighbor or your difficult spouse, I do not, listen, I do not have, I am the difficult spouse, okay? I am the difficult spouse in my house. Do you really think that burden is too big for Jesus to deal with? My friends, it is insurmountably unconquerable if you trust in yourself and you want the happiness the world has. You're growing up, you just want friends, you just want to be like, you just want a date to homecoming or prom. Jesus offered an eternal marriage. Accept his proposal. It makes the rest of the junk pale in comparison. You don't need a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or a kid or people that like your riches or fame or fortune. Do you know what you need? Jesus. And the desires of your heart will be exceeded beyond measure. I used to live a lifestyle of excess, of, of stuff, of riches, of fame and fortune. It wasn't so great. Rich people are the most screwed up people you ever meet. Poor people pretty messed up too, but it's a little bit different type of mess up. Father, make me stinking rich so I don't need to depend on anybody, so I can be financially independent, secure, and joyful beyond measure. That was my prayer to my idol growing up. That's my prayer to my idol as a young adult. And my idol gave me what I wanted for a period of time. And I was a miserable, miserable wretch. But God in his abundant mercy took an enemy of his. And you know what he gave me? Three things for today. Peace with God, access to God, and assurance of salvation. What cookie are you chewing on today? Because we're all chewing the cookies. 
We are all chewing the world's cookies right this very moment. And if you don't know what cookie you're chewing, that's a dangerous position. So how do you identify these cookies that you're chewing? Well, one of the, the ways you identify, on your own, you will eat cookies and chips galore. Listen to me. On your own. Hey, Cam, would you cut those for me, buddy? You will eat cookies and chips to the point of malnourishment beyond your wildest dreams. If you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. Do you know why God gave us the church, the local body? So that I could say to Jim, you seem to be eating a lot of cookies recently. And you know what Jim will probably say when I say that to him if I don't know him well? Who do you think you are to tell me what I should be eating? But if I, here's, or he'll say, here, try it, and I'll eat the cookie too. <laughs> but if I know him well, and I'm trying to love him well, and I'm walking relationally with him as a brother in Christ who has peace with God and access to God and assurance of salvation, my job isn't to get him to put down the cookie. My job is to love him enough to tell him that he's eating a cookie, and God is the one who convicts of too much cookie consumption. On your own, and what we see in our transient culture is we see a body of believers who feasts on the, what the world offers, the chips and the cookies of the world, and you look at believers out there and you go, the lost person goes, you got what, I, what do I want what you got? You look pathetic. My, my idol's working better than your idol because you're not serving the risen Christ. My friends, take a minute here. What cookies and chips are you trusting in? Where are you failing? And you know what happens when, when someone pulls the cookies and the chips away? You know, Halloween's coming up. Candy galore. Candy tastes great. Too much candy make you sick. Look at him shaking his head with a snicker box. <laughs> it's a really bad gift for this sermon. Give me that back. <laughs> but when you don't eat candy, your hunger grows. And as your hunger grows, you can feast on protein and complex carbohydrates and nourishing food that strengthens your body. Sometimes God brings trials into your life to cause you to be able to feast upon nothing other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as you feast and as you are nourished, there is not a believer who goes through a trial and on the other end says, Jesus, you don't know what you're doing. Oh, no. Has anyone here ever been through a trial? Would you want to change that trial? In fact, as you continue to grow, you'd say, Lord, I would do it again. Please don't make me do it. But I would do it again. Right? Listen to me, my friends. For today, this is what I want you to take with you. I want you to slow down during the week at times when circumstances get a little crazy, when, when you don't feel so peaceful, when, when, when death looms, when, when the debt collector looms, when, when the job ain't good, when the family's not what it's supposed to be, when you don't have any friends, when life is really hard, slow down and stop and rejoice. In feast number one, you have peace with God, he paid your bill. You have access to God. You have assurance of salvation. Put the cookie down. Come to Christ. The world offers all sorts of distractions. Listen to me. I'll give you a couple examples and I'll close out here. Do you have, listen, do you have to gather with your church on Sunday? What's the answer at God's Grace Bible Church? Absolutely you do. No, you don't have to. You can go eat chips and cookies. You can even, listen, now let me be careful here. You can even not gather on a Sunday for the glory of God. Okay, you can do that. 
I've heard. Do you have to give to God of your time, talent, and treasure as a child of God? Do you have to? No. No. You're saved by grace through faith. Do you have to share the gospel to be saved? You're saved by grace through faith. Do you have to keep Jesus' commandments to be saved? No, you can say no, because you're saved by grace through faith. Now, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And here's why, because he's given you a new heart. And the question becomes at some point, how can you keep eating cookies and not be convicted to put the cookie down? And if you find yourself in that situation, I want to... I want to compel you to to examine the gospel a little bit more fully because believers can eat cookies for a long period of time, but if you're truly saved, you'll put the cookie down. But, But here's a better position to be in before you get too fat on the cookie. Why would you want to only eat cookies and not feast on the risen Christ? You don't have to give anything to God, but why would you not want to? You don't have to gather with God's people, but why would you not want to? You don't have to share your faith to be saved, but why would you not want to? You can chase everything the world offers, but why the heck would you want to if you have peace with God, access to God, and assurance of salvation, and I'm just getting started? My friends, the world, the devil, the flesh, they hook, and they bait that hook, and they say, come on, remember the the Garden of Eden? You know what Adam and Eve were lacking in the Garden of Eden? <laughs> Think about this. What, what did they need? What, what did they not have that they needed? <laughs> well, that's, dang, that's a really good answer. The devil comes in and says, surely you won't die. You'll be better off. Go eat that fruit. God didn't really mean what he said. Same tactics employed out there. Devil doesn't change his tactics. He's actually kind of pathetic. You're helpless on your own. My friends, the world will say, eat my cookie of riches and reputation, of fame and fortune, of relationships, of, of, of comfort. Eat deeply. Drink deeply of, of, the, of the cup of financial independence and you will be content and confident and secure, said Lucifer. Eat, drink, and be merry. Do you know what Jesus says? Die. Die to self so you might live. Put the cup down. Walk away from the cup the world has to offer. In fact, he said, no, no, no. I will drink the cup that the world has to offer to its dregs, and I will die in your place so that you might live. And if he has saved us, why would we not trust in him? The question boils down to this, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because if you're not saved, you can't trust Jesus. And you can't trust Jesus because you don't have peace with God, you don't have access to God, and you don't have assurance of salvation. If it is not the Holy Spirit causing you to relish and rejoice in the fact that you have peace with God, you cannot relish and rejoice in peace with God. I know a lot of lost people who feel peaceful. And I can go to some of their houses and feel quite peaceful too. But the only one who can have true peace, and there is, listen, there is an emotional feeling that is attached to positional peace. Don't misunderstand me here. When Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego walked in, remember that, that fiery furnace fiasco? I'm glad it wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Pastor John. That story would read really bad. But, but they walk up, I'd be like, bah, 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 I can't go in there! But not my, not my brothers here. They said, you can, we, we ain't praying to you. We're not bowing down to you. You can throw us in the fiery furnace, and and if our God so chooses to save us, he'll save us and not burn us up. 
wow, wow. Do you remember what happened? Oh, they were screaming and burning and perishing and, and the fire went out and for three days they were sitting there charbroiled and they put them back in and oh, God forgot about them, right? Remember what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They knew, they knew God. They had peace with God. And God might burn you up, but if God lets you burn, it's not because he wasn't there. Abram, 100-year-old dude, no kids. We had that one miss, you know, miss, miss kid. God says, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, and you'll be a father of multitudes. Abraham hoped against hope. Abraham was able to do this because he had peace with God. He had access to God. He had assurance of salvation through God. And with the power that worked within him, he was able to walk in those truths. Now, I'm going to stop because then I'm going to creep into points four, five, and six, and we'll be here till, till two in the afternoon, or I should rephrase, I'll be here. You guys will slowly walk out. Don't miss next week because we're just climbing the mountain, and we've got to get to the pinnacle to see how immeasurably magnificent this beautiful 11 verses of Romans is. But my friends, rejoice always. Do you know how you rejoice always? You start feasting on these magnificent truths of who Christ is and who you are in Christ. You have peace with God. You have access to God. And you have assurance of salvation. Father, please help us understand these truths more fully. Lord Jesus, we confess at times we think that you came to pay our cable bill. And we give you a courteous, thanks so much. Saved me some money there. Lord, help us understand the immensity of the bill you came to pay. What you came to do. Lord Jesus, you came to save us, you tell us, from the wrath of God. Why? Lord, we know how. We know in part why. But help, help us marvel in the reality of the fact that you came so we might have peace with God. Father, we're praying to you right this very moment. We have access directly to you through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. You are actually and actively listening to us. The God who spoke all into existence is in our presence and we through Christ are in a favorable relationship with you where you call us children and sons and heirs. Wow! Father, help us understand what we have access to through Christ. Help us to understand that the access we have isn't for us to pilfer daddy's house for our own little party, but is to have joy beyond measure as we serve you as a son, as we seek to glorify you and find the joy that comes in it. And Lord, in those times that we doubt, that we doubt your promises, that we doubt your goodness, and even when we doubt our relationship with you, Remind us, Lord, that we are assured of salvation by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and by the fact that you are the one who keeps us standing. And Lord, if there are any people here today who have a false sense of assurance, I pray that you might be so gracious and kind to convict them of that and to let them know of your immense love for them and the superiority of you over all things. And that you might help them put the cookie down and come and feast upon Christ. And Lord, for those of us who have by grace feasted upon you and keep going back to the cookie tray, help us to eat a cookie here and there as you graciously allow us to. 
Lord, you don't call your people to a lifestyle of poverty. You call us to a lifestyle of trusting in you. And in your providence, for some of us, you entrust great riches in the worldly sense. And to others, you entrust next to nothing. Some of your saints live, live in villas in the most beautiful parts of the world, and some live in squalor in third world countries. But Lord, the joy for all of your saints is the same. And we pray that wherever we find ourselves, as Paul says, either in an abundance or need, that we might find our contentment and joy in you and you alone so that the things that the world offers simply remain things to be used for your glory. Lord Jesus, we confess we are not quite what we should be. And we rejoice in the fact that that's what you're about. Transforming people. Taking us from one degree of glory to another as you conform us more fully, Father, into the image of your Son. Lord Jesus, help us this very day to have a bit more of the joy that comes from feasting in you. We thank you that you will finish the work you started. We thank you that we are sojourning through this world and have an eternal, eternal weight of glory before us that's beyond all comprehension. We thank you that you will never let us fall. And we just pray, Lord, that we would follow you well for your glory. Jesus, we pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.